Some of you all love roller coasters, right? Like, who, who loves roller coasters? See, look at that. I got to admit, I hate roller coasters. I just can't stand roller coasters. Um, it's not that I'm afraid. I, I just, it's just a waste of money. No, I just, I'm kind of afraid, I guess. You know, at Disneyland, what is the calmest roller coaster at Disneyland? That is not a roller coaster. It's that Matterhorn, right? Most everybody here has ridden the Matterhorn, right? Because that's like, come on, Mark, that's just a Matterhorn. I've never, I've never rode the Matterhorn because it just goes, yeah, I don't like that, right? At Disneyland, honestly, I would rather go on the thrilling, it's a small world, all right, that, than a boring old roller coaster. I mean, why when you can just, in an air condition, you know, it's thrilling. You're on water and going around, and, uh, you know, you all may laugh, but... But isn't it true that when it comes to your life, that you would rather it be kind of like smooth sailing, like it's a small world, rather than being on a roller coaster ride? See, now it's like different now, right? In our lives, that's kind of what we would like. And, uh, you know, we've been going through Abraham's story. And if we look back, Abraham's story has been pretty much like this wild roller coaster ride, right? I mean, all kinds of things are happening. And, and in a time when, you know, his life was comfortable and good and he was this place, you know, here's this God who comes up and calls him to leave it all behind and go to this unknown land. That's rough, right? And then he goes and, and he leaves with this promise of, uh, from God of being this great nation with much descendants and much land, you know. And when he arrives and he begins to settle in, it's like, well, we are here, settled in and and what happens, you know, uh, kings from the north come down and they capture his, his nephew Lot and a whole bunch of them and it's carrying them off. And Abraham has to go out now to rescue them. You know, he takes just a handful, 300 some odd people to go against all these kings and their armies. And God gives them this amazing rescue, you know. And all through this time, you know, years have gone by and he's still waiting that... Okay, God, you promised, right, to be a great nation and, and many descendants, but it kind of has to start with one, right? And he's been waiting and, and waiting. He's still childless, and he's wondering if God's promises will come, ever come to pass. Maybe a little discouraged. God comes, reassures him, makes a covenant with him. And, you know, uh, he's still he's like, man, I don't know. And he, you know, he, he goes to plan B like we talked about last week. And... Uh, you know, they, there's this trusted servant, and he gets her pregnant, causes a whole lot of strife and conflict, and it messes up his family. The conflict between, you know, the, the child of his, that's, that's, that servant, and then the child of promise, you know, you look at their descendants, you know, there's conflict still going on today, you know. And we looked, and plan B just never, hardly ever uh, works out. But, but you look, this roller coaster ride... You know, there's ups and downs, and we see all through Abraham's life. But there comes a point now where he's going to face, really, um, his toughest challenge. That is just going to test his faith uh, at its very core, you know. And we've always had times, and you might even be in a time right now, where life is more like a roller coaster ride than, you know, it's a small world. And... And, you know, maybe you're being slammed and we get slammed with challenges and crises and storms in our lives. And it really takes a toll, right? 
And we kind of get to the point, if you're a follower of Christ, it kind of gets to the point where you ask, you know, Lord, why? Right? That, that, that real important question, God, why? You know, why? How long am I having to go through this? Why is this all happening? When are you going to lighten my load? You know, how long do I have to go through this and all this? You know, what is the meaning of all this? And all those questions, that question of why comes to our mind. And it's in those times when life with all its storms, and it kind of what it does, it blows open the door of our hearts, right? And it blows open the doors of our hearts, and we can see what's really in there, in our hearts. It's in those times of crises, it's in those times of storms, when life is like a roller coaster, is when we really discover, we really, uh, it's really revealed what's in our heart what it is or who it is that we're really trusting in. Are we really, truly trusting in God? How do, when do we know those times? When we're in those storms, you know? Are we trusting in God? Are we walking by faith? It's easy to walk by faith when we're just, you know, it's, just, it's a small world, right? We're just walking, everything's good. It's really easy. But when the storms come, it reveals what's really in our hearts. You know, it's kind of like, Jesus and his disciples, you remember that time when they were on a boat uh, on the Sea of Galilee, you know, and a sudden storm comes, and Jesus is asleep on the boat, and, you know, here's these disciples. Uh, some of them are trained fishermen, and they're thinking, whoa, this is horrible. We're going to die, right? It was that bad. They're going to die. They go to Jesus, and they wake him up and say, Jesus, what are you doing? You know, don't you care that we're about to drown, right? You know that story? And then Jesus, you know, he gets up and he stills the storm. And, and seeing how the storm had blown open the door of the hearts of his disciples, seeing their fear, he turns to them and says, man, guys, where's your faith? Right? Where's your faith? You know, as the storm blew open the doors of their hearts, it's like, man, it wasn't faith there. You know, they were depending on their seamanship and how good, you know, how experienced they were as fishermen but when push came to shove you know jesus says where's your faith and abraham would see what's in his heart as he experiences like his fiercest storm you know this really the greatest test of his life that he's at this point where he's going to face that test and he's going to see what's in his heart and, you know, after all these years of, of, of this roller coaster ride and all these years of learning how to trust God, how he's seen God's faithfulness, even when he chose plan B, even when he chose plan B, Abraham has learned to really trust God, you know, and trust God for everything in his life. And there was going to be a challenge. There was going to be a test that, that maybe, you know, defied logic. It defied everything that seemed right and good and fair. That Abraham would face this toughest test yet and it would show him, it would show us what's in his heart. What would Abraham do? You know, how would he respond? And as Abraham faces this test, then, you know, we get to learn so much, again, how the Bible is so applicable to our lives when we go through our times of testing. And so if you've got your bulletins, you can follow along. You know, it's very familiar. If, if you've read the Bible, or if, you know, you've gone to Sunday school, or you've been in church for a little bit, kind of know this story 
about Abraham and his son Isaac. But as we get into this, let's pray and let's ask God for some help. All right, let's just pray. Father, we, we just come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit's ministry is to illumine your word. Because if we just read it on our own, we just can't understand it. But Holy Spirit, we ask that you would make the word understandable, but you would also speak to us spirit to spirit. That it wouldn't just bounce around in our head and our minds and, you know, something good that we can think about, but it would go and sink deep into our heart. That in our heart of hearts, that you would speak to us where fear might be, where doubt might be, where, where hurt and challenges might be, that you would speak to us heart to heart and spirit to spirit. And that you would speak to us your words of truth, that your truth would set us free this morning. We just thank you, Lord. I pray that this morning, that as we open our hearts, and, and Father, we just help us to open our hearts, that as we open our hearts, that you're going to set us free this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> We're going to look at the test. You know, what was this test all about? We start off in Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, you know, after all this, the plan B, all these things, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith, all right? He's gone through all this, and now the Bible clearly states is, uh, that Abraham's going to face a test, and it's going to be a big one. Yeah? Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Verse 2, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, all right? Making it real clear, yes, Isaac whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. Now, we read these things, but, but, but put yourself in this story, all right? Because a lot of times we look at the Bible, and, and what we've been trying to say over and over again, that the Bible is real. That it's not about like fairy tales and these fictional characters and God's using this story to, to, you know, like a parable or this fairy tale to teach us something. You know, these are real people, you know, real life. They're going through these real, this is a real challenge. And we're going to see God's real answer in that. See, that's what this is all about. But put yourself, if you're a parent, right, put yourself in, if you're a father, put yourself, if you have a son named Isaac, even more so, put yourself in in Abraham's shoes. And here's the thing, right? Abraham, take your only son. Yeah, Isaac. Yeah, that's the one. Okay? That you love so much. Go to this land of Moriah. And I'm going to show you which mountain to go. You know, that's been the MO, right? Just go and I'll show you where. And you go there. And you know, you've done a bunch of sacrifices in your life, you know, with animals. And you know the whole deal about that. I want you now to sacrifice your son that I want you to sacrifice your son. I mean, think about that. I mean, really think about that. That God is asking Abraham to kill his son. And, and you think about that, how, how horrific that is, that God would even ask someone to do something like that, right? It's like it does not make sense at all. And then we think about God's promises to Abraham, and you think, whoa, God, you promised Abraham great nation, descendants, land. You said, no, no, it's not, you know, it's not your trusted servant. It's not him. 
that's going to be your heir, you're going to have a true heir, you know? And you're going to be in your 90s. And you're going to have a son. And sure enough, in his 90s, they have their son. And it's like, God, what you doing? You know, and, and can you imagine Abraham just thinking, you want me to do what? And, and this was this, the greatest test, obviously, of Abraham's life. And, and we look and we see test after test from Genesis 12, and we see Abraham passing some of the tests. You know, he failed some of the tests. But God was using all these tests, you know, to build his faith. And like the other tests, this one just comes suddenly, right, unexpectedly. And it absolutely didn't make sense. I mean, think about what God was asking. It just didn't make sense. One, it involves sacrificing a person, his son, not just anybody, but his, his heir, his, his, his beloved son, whom Abraham had prayed for and waited for for a long time. And now God's asking him to do that. You know, it's, it's even tough. If you're a father, you know, it's even tough to, to read the verse as God instructs Abraham to sacrifice. like, I mean, just imagine. I can't imagine that. You know? He was being asked, it was his greatest test because he was being asked literally to lay aside everything that he's lived for for the past 30, 40 years of his life. The call to a new land, promise of becoming a great nation, many descendants, you know, um, all that stuff, you know, um, just seeing God come through with a miracle son, the promised heir, you know, the whole thing. And now it's like God saying this, I want you to throw it all away. That all makes sense. And then not only that, Abraham had to face what seemed like a total contradiction, you know, to what he had come to know about the nature and the character of God. That God was asking him to kill an innocent person. You know, and, and God seemed to be breaking his word to Abraham. You know, Abraham, you take this promised son and sacrifice him to me. You know, why would God do that? Right? This doesn't make sense. It's, it's totally bewildering. You know, we just, I mean, what, why would he do that, right? And it really was the greatest test of his life. And God being God... We know that his ways are in our ways and his thoughts are in ours. And there's something he has in mind, all right, through this whole thing. And we know that God is good and God is fair and God is just and God is holy and all this. And we've got to trust God on this. And so as we look, the key thing isn't what God is asking. The key thing, like it is for us, it isn't what God is asking. It's on what? It's what we are going to respond. How are we going to respond to what God is asking us to do. And the first thing we see is that Abraham learned to trust God through all these tests and challenges. He learned to trust God's purposes without knowing why. Right? Without knowing why, he's learned to trust God's purposes. Verse 3. Okay? God lays this bombshell on him, right? Verse 3. The very next morning, Abraham gets up what? Early. All right? He gets up early the next morning, as early as he could, 
saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac, chopped wood for a fire and for the burnt offering, and set out to the place that God had told him about. Abraham, Abraham responds immediately. That was his response, right? He had learned to trust God's purposes without knowing why, and immediately he says, well, God, I don't understand. But immediately he goes out to obey. Now I'm thinking, for me, I'm not there yet. Two options just come to my mind really quick. You know, one option is, is, to, is to put this off for as long as I can, hoping that maybe God would change his mind or maybe God would forget about it, but, you know, God don't forget, right? But maybe just keep putting it off. All right, God, I'll do it, but I'm kind of busy today, you know. Got a lot of stuff to do, all right? You know, the wife got my honey-do list, got a whole bunch there, got to do that. Right? And to put it off. Or I think maybe I try to get away as far as I possibly could. You know, pack up everything, pack up my son and dig. Right? You know? But not Abraham. Because he had learned something that God is teaching me and maybe God is teaching some of you, all of you. That, that there are times we've got to trust God and his purposes even without understanding and out knowing the, the, the answer to why. Someone once said, true spirituality or faith can often be measured by the length of the response time to God's people to his commands. Yeah? True spirituality can often be measured by the length of response time that we take when God asks us to do something. See? And that's a true statement. And over the, the past 20 to 30 years, Abraham slowly learning. He was learning. He was experiencing God's faithfulness consistently, and he was learning that he can trust God. Now, I'm not saying that Abraham never asked God the question, why? You know, that, that he probably did. That throughout the Bible, uh, we see people from Job to Jeremiah just continually asking God, why? Why? But the significant thing is that in so many of those times, God never answers the question, why? You know, God never answers the question, why? But you know what? They continue to trust God and to keep to follow his commands. That is the amazing thing. And faith means that we learn to trust God and his purposes even without having to know why, right? Second thing is that Abraham has learned to trust God's provisions without knowing how. He's learned over time how to trust God's provisions, really, without knowing how. In verse 4, on the third day of their journey, right? It's a three-day journey. Can you imagine, right? Abraham looks up, saw the place in the distance. He says, stay here with the donkey. He told his servants, the boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we are going to come right back. See, you, you got that? It says... Abraham tells his servants, wait here, because he and Isaac are going to go a little further. They're going to worship, and then they're both going to come back. And that is an amazing statement of faith. That Abraham was going there knowing that he's to sacrifice Isaac. And yet he says, you know, we're going to worship, but we're going to come right back. And then a little later in verse 6, he says, So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offerings on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife, as the two of them walked together, Isaac turns to Abraham and says, Father, 
Yes, my son, Abraham replies. We have the fire. We have the wood. We have the stuff. But where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Good question. To which Abraham responds, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. Can you imagine being Abraham, being asked to sacrifice your son, getting the wood, placing it on his shoulders, knowing what you got to do, get the fire, get the knife. Son asking, hey, dad, we need an animal, don't we? You know, right? Can you imagine? And Abraham responds, son, you know, God's going to provide. God has always provided, and he will provide. See, that's faith that I don't have yet. That's the faith to trust God and trust God's provisions without knowing how. And how did he come to that place of faith in his life? See, it was almost a three-day journey from the time Abraham got up to obey God to get to where he was. And I kind of wonder, what was Abraham doing on that three-day walk, right? Just walking along, just making small talk? I don't know, right? Because he knows what he has to do, you know? That, that he probably thought a lot about Isaac. And I, would, I thought a lot about my son. How precious, how miraculous his birth was. Abraham probably looked back, you know, over the story of his life. And all the times God had asked him to do something. You know, all the times. And, and all the times that he followed through and how God was, was there. And then the times when he, you know, he messed up. Maybe settled for plan B. But God was there. And as he looked back on all the inconsistencies of his life, there was one thing that remained consistent. And that was God's provision in every step along the way. That whether he succeeded or not, you know what? God made a way. It didn't always happen the way he thought, but Abraham had learned to trust God's provision without even knowing how. Do you ever ask how in the midst of the test in your life? Right? Man, God, how? Look, man, God, you know, um, how will I find another job? How will I find this financial crunch? How will I ever get through to my son? How, how will I ever see this marriage fixed up. You know, there's all these times, you know, God, tell us how. And Abraham learned this amazing lesson, that he learned the lesson that I'm going to trust God because God's going to make a way. And I don't know how that's going to be yet, but I know God's going to make a way, you know, that Abraham points us to the truth that, that we can and we got to trust and we've got to trust in God's provision even without knowing how. And then he goes on, and we learn that Abraham learned to trust God's timing without knowing when. He's learned to trust God's purposes without knowing why. God's provisions without knowing how. And he's learned to trust God's timing. And this is a tough one, right? God's timing without knowing when. Verse 9. When they arrived to the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood, tied up his son Isaac, laid him on the altar, on the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Abraham had built a bunch of altars in his life, but never one like this. Right? 
He's about a whole bunch, you know. And, and I can imagine as he's building this altar, he's thinking and praying, you know, God, is this enough? You know, is this enough obedience for you? You know, um, um, when are you going to provide? You know, waiting. And then he starts laying each piece of wood on that altar, you know, right there, laying each piece of wood. And as he's laying pieces of wood, Lord, is, is this enough? Is this far enough? You know, is this the time in which you're going to provide? You know? And then as he's tying Isaac up, and every moment along that path, along that way, you know, God, is this enough? I mean, is this enough obedience? Is this enough? Is this the time when you're going to provide? You know? And then as he takes Isaac and lays him upon that altar, you know, Lord, is this far enough? You know, is this far enough? You know, is this enough? And with each, each time in which he asks these questions when, there's no answer, right? There's no answer. And in this gut-wrenching time, when God was silent, and all that Abraham had was God's instructions to sacrifice Isaac, he made this difficult decision to obey. Right? God, is this enough? Is, is, is this enough? Not hearing nothing, he makes a decision that he had learned through all that he's gone through that we don't live by expectations, but we're to live by promises. See? So often we live by all these expectations we have, but we don't live by expectations. We just get disappointed all over the place. But we've got to live by God's promises. Through all the tests, through all the years of waiting for a child, Abraham learned to trust God's timing without knowing when. And now in the midst of God's silence, knowing what he knew about God, Abraham had a choice, and he chooses to obey. Then, you know, this knife, going to do it, right? Can you imagine that, right? Can't imagine that. Suddenly, at a moment that probably seems like an eternity for us, right? But from God's perspective, it was perfect timing. God breaks the silence. Verse 11, at that, moment, the Lord, the, the, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me <clears throat> even your own son, your only son. Test over Abraham passed the greatest test. And then, like, right? Verse 13, Then Abraham looked up <clears throat> and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. And so he took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh. Yahweh Yireh is really, which means the Lord will provide. It's a name of God, awesome name of God, Yahweh Yireh. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On that mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And what you see is, stop, now we know, drop the knife. 
done. Okay? But then Abraham does something incredible to me. Right? He does something amazing to me. That in light of all that, it's like, oh. <laughs> he does something, he follows through, and he offers a sacrifice to God. Right? You know, that he offers a sacrifice to God. I would have been like, oh, all right, thank you, yay! But, but you know what? He followed through. Saw the ram, and he offers it. He takes time to worship God. And on the mountain, and on the mountain of the Lord's testing, the Lord will provide. You know, and I just love that. That on the mountain of the Lord's testing, the Lord will provide. That Abraham trusted God without knowing when, and God provided. And he named that place Yahweh, the name of God. The holy name of God, Yahweh Yide, that God provides. And that's one of the most special names of all the names of God. You know, if you look, there's, you know, we see God in the Bible, there's all these different names. You know, El Shaddai, you know, and all these names. You know, Yahweh Shema, God is always there. You know, all, but Yahweh Yide, that God will provide, that our God is a God that provides, is so special, that on the mountain of God's testing, the Lord will provide. Now, I want to call the worship team up as we kind of close this up, but I want to say this. Abraham's story is like this wild roller coaster ride, right? But through it all, Abraham remained humble and teachable, and he learned and he grew in faith, that he learned the precious lesson that Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24, that the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Right? Yahweh Yideh. The Lord will provide. That our God is a God who provides. And he learned that he could trust God. That on the mountain of God's testing, God will provide. And so I say to you, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let him encourage you. Let him fill you with courage. Let him sink the truth of God's word deep in your heart. That God is faithful. That God is good. That God knows you. He loves you. And that he's going to be with you. That he is Yahweh, Yideh. That he is the God who provides. And he will provide. And that he's calling us. Guys, if you would just trust me. If you would just trust me. Even if you don't understand why. Even if you don't understand how. Even if you don't understand when. If you would trust me, then you're going to see me for who I am, that I'm the God who provides. And so many of us, we live by all these expectations and thoughts, well, we should have that wish. But you know what? Maybe God is saying to us, you know, live on God's promises because God will answer his promises. How do we know that? Because he answered Abraham's promise. And, and he loves us like he loves Abraham. And Abraham's a real person like you and I. And God's promises to Abraham, he answered, and his promises to you and I, he will answer. He says, I am the God who will provide. He's going to provide. And so if you're on the mountain of God's testing, it's right there where you experience God's provisions. And so what God is saying to us is learn. Learn from the story of Abraham. Be encouraged no matter where you are and what you're going through. Because God is there, and on the mountain of God's testing, God will provide. See? You know? 
Let's pray. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. For some of you, it just starts off with just praying and asking God to, to take control of your life. You know, it really is to say, God, you know what? been fighting, been kind of like, eh. But I make a decision. I'm going to put you, I need you, Jesus, as the Lord in my life. I need you as my Savior. I can't save myself. And I've been living by all these things, but maybe it's time I start living on the promises of God. You know? Faithful is he who calls, that he will do it. That's the God we serve. And maybe for you, it's like, God, you know what? I'm going to just give my life to you. And you just pray along with me and say, God, I just need you. I need a Savior. And we're going to pray. So maybe it's time to accept Jesus as your Savior. Or maybe it's a time we say, God, fill me with faith like Abraham. Because I'm going through, I'm going through a mountain of testing right now myself, right? Let's pray. Father, it just starts off. We need a Savior. You know, just life is overwhelming sometimes. The roller coaster ride, man, just we want to get off, but we can't. And Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to come and die for us. Thank you that, you know, that's what communion is all about. That his body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us. That he paid the penalty for our sins. That he came to save us. And so Jesus, right now, I accept you as my Savior. With as much and as little or as little faith that I have, I accept you. We just come into my life and be my Savior from this point on. And that I would experience Yahweh Yideh, the God who provides, that God will provide. And Father, for, for others, man, it's just been a tough time. That, yeah, we're on that roller coaster. We're on that mountain of testing. I pray, Father, that you would show yourself for who you are, that you are the God who provides. That we don't need to know why, we don't need to know how, we don't know, we need to know when. All we need to know is the who. And you're the who that you will provide in your timing and in your way. And that we can trust you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.